Want to have safe kinky sex? Make sure you make your way over to AdamEve.com. Adam and Eve has over 12 million satisfied customers worldwide. Everything from the newest vibrators to classic movies. When you're on AdamEve.com, make sure to enter in the promo code HUSH50. That's H-U-S-H-5-0 to get 50% off almost any one item and free shipping. Do I need to say that again? Free shipping. Make sure you have your kinky safe sex needs satisfied by visiting AdamEve.com. Welcome to Hush, the podcast guaranteed to give you a load of fun. And with that being said, let's slide into the episode. excited for you tuning in today to volume 70 of hush again this is the podcast about sex dating relationships and all things kept on the hush my name is kim and i'm very excited to have my guest from 50 plus a tip podcast just to give you a little background on our guest we have danica and riley danica is a sarcastic straightforward sex positive feminist with the passion for topics that some may consider taboo With a psychology degree under her belt, a public speaker, university guest lecturer, a devoted sex workers advocate, and a successful career as an exotic dancer, she definitely knows her stuff. Danica lives her life by two philosophies. Number one, it's better to have a life of oh wells than what ifs. And number two, be unapologetically you. Her years of experience as a sex worker have given her a passion and drive to do what she can do to eliminate the stigma that currently surrounds the sex industry. She is confident that sharing her stories as an active sex worker can do just that. Show women and men that they can own their sexuality proudly and sometimes even profit off of it. We also have today Riley. Riley is a relatively new sex worker having worked in the industry for three years. She has dabbed in a few areas of sex work but has mainly found her footing as a stripper and a PR girl. Riley is also a full-time student pursuing a Bachelor of Science with a focus on statistics. Although she's still learning herself, Riley has been fortunate enough to be included on platforms that help educate people around the stigmas of sex work, including being part of Danica's podcast, 50 Plus a Tip. And without further ado, I like to get into my shows on Scripted, and we're doing that right now by jumping right into the V-Card story. Let's go ahead and start off with your virginity. How did you lose your V-card? Um, my I was in a relationship for, I think, a year and a half before I um, lost my virginity. And it was your classic, like, young 16-boyfriend-girlfriend 16, 16, uh, experience. It was obviously trash because we didn't know what we were doing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I always grew up thinking that I was going to save myself till marriage I mean look at me now um but yeah so it was just like your classic classic virginity loss I feel like was it gay no it was trash it was trash (laughs) how long did it last oh my god (laughs) probably like 
I would say generously five minutes. <laughs> generously. <laughs> did yeah. you did you orgasm? No, no, not at all. I yeah, I was just yeah. I mean it felt I felt things. I don't know if they were good things. <laughs> Uh, thank God uh, sex has gotten significantly better since then. I was going to say, now fast forwarding to where you are now, what do you each consider your most kinkiest experiences? Oh God, um, I think when like you, to me like nothing's really kinky anymore I guess, like it's more kinky like to have missionary. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I guess like I'm, I'm a big believer in like trying everything twice um and because I have a mentality with my partners I'm very like what do you want like let's try things you haven't tried before because I've probably already tried them and it's like a safe space safe space to explore uh so a partner of mine wants to try golden showers and um he like really had to go to the washroom while we were driving home so I was like well why don't you just hold it and when we get home we'll like try things with it while we have it yeah so we like golden showers in the shower and he like tried peeing inside me which in hindsight like UTI which I actually didn't get a UTI from which is shocking because they're common but uh yeah he like peed inside me which apparently was like super hard for him because like i guess my inside part was like closing his hole i guess yeah um okay so i was a big believer when i was younger that um waiting till marriage that was something my my mom was really adamant about so i waited till i was almost 20 and then I had a crush on a guy through, like, grade 11 and 12, and um, I was, like, I think 19. Yeah, it must have been, like, late 19 at that point, and he knew I was waiting, and he's like, no, I really care about you, like, you know, we're <laughs> together, like, and he had, like, all this, yeah, he classic <laughs> soccer guy, too, soccer guys are assholes. And then I finally, like, did it with him, it was, like, nothing special at all, it was, like, his parents' basement, and then uh, the next day... He went and told everyone that I wasn't actually a virgin and that I was just lying. I was a huge whore and all this stuff. Yeah. So that oh, sucks. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't good sex. I'm sorry that happened. So, <laughs> I yeah, was and then I, waited a, I waited another, I think, 16 months after that to have sex again. So I, like, yeah, I wasn't having much sex when I was younger. Yeah. Getting into where you're at now, what inspired you to journey into the sex industry? Um, I don't think that it was, uh necessarily like kind of a specific inspiration I uh, was working at a cafe at the time and had just traveled and was uh, obviously a little strapped for cash and a girlfriend of mine uh, suggested topless poker dealing uh, for me so I kind of started to do that and really found my footing in the industry and um, began working at a club I found a girlfriend who worked at a club so she got me a job there and then it's kind of been my full-time gig ever since were you nervous the very first time that you did um that you did go topless um yeah I was pretty nervous but I had just traveled through Europe so I was I was a little bit used to the topless beaches but it was it was kind of a different ballpark with people actually staring at you and commenting and trying to grab and all that jazz and your boobs are young and perky at the time. Yeah, yeah. Now they fall into the floor. That's a... Uh, 
Dang. How did your friends and family react? I dragged a girlfriend of mine uh, into topless poker dealing as well. Um, so, I mean, we, we were kind of in it together, but everyone was being pretty supportive. I Moving here uh, five years ago, I've had to make kind of friends from scratch. So I didn't have that uh, burden of people knowing me when I was a, a kid or knowing who I was to kind of play who I was becoming. So I felt like everyone who I told that was my friend, I was friends with them because they would be accepting of it. And going off of like friends, just relationships in general with people, how has um, what you do now in the sex industry affected your relationships with people in general? Um, I mean, it's made me more confident and be able to talk about my boundaries a lot better. Um, but more so, it's really just become a, a a way to keep communicating better with the partner that I do have. It's a definitely made radical communication a very important part of our relationship. Um, of course, that's not always the case. I have dated people who were very not okay with what I did, or it was the first thing to throw out in a fight if um, something was happening. Like if you know we got into a fight, it was the first thing they threw out was you're a fucking whore anyway. Um, so yeah, it's uh, pros and cons, really. That kind of dives into another question that I had later, but since we're at that, what stereotypes do you tend to receive? <laughs> Danica, you want to rattle them off? Oh, God. What <laughs> stereotype? Um, that we all have family issues, daddy issues, no one loves us, we don't have partners, we have drug problems, we have alcohol dependency, we have low self-esteem, sex work is all we can do, we have no education, no aspirations. We're terrible mothers. We're all trafficked. We're all trafficked. We're all, yeah, um, we're all uh, survival sex workers. Yeah. Yeah. The list goes on. Yeah. We're dirty. We're dirty. Yeah. We're, we all have STDs, um, which is like the funniest thing because the sex workers I know who are full service sex workers are, for lack of a better term, cleanest and most adamant about condom use and constantly getting checked. Um, as opposed to the squares I talk to, they don't use condoms for blowjobs like sex workers do. They don't get their throat swabbed for STDs and SD or STIs. They don't, you know, um, push for condom use during vaginal or anal sex. They don't uh, get tested. They don't have standing orders like sex workers do. So if you ever are worried about STD transmission, the, your best bet is to have intercourse with a sex worker. Yeah, I could see that. I had brought Alice Little. Um, she's a sex worker that works in um, the Nevada brothel. And she said the same thing. Like, it's just, um, they they all get tested regularly. And like the way you said, a lot of people, I think there's just fear behind it that they don't do it or they don't want to know. But I feel like once you're already sexually active, you need to be proactive about your sex health. You know, you really do. And um, that's Definitely. what she said as well, that um, sex workers were were some of the cleanest people, and, but it was hard for them to get health care coverage. I thought that was strange, and it was because of the stigmas with their job that um, she was actually trying to fight for health care for sex workers because it was something that wasn't easily approved. Yeah, I think we're quite lucky in Canada that um, STI and STD chicks are they're free, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, and there are quite a, a few good resources for sex workers. I mean, and I'm I'm talking about um, street sex work, so coming definitely coming from a pri- privileged place. Um, 
but yeah, what's been your experience with the healthcare system? Yeah, I mean, I have a standing order just because I am OCD about things and I'd rather just be safe than sorry. Mm-hmm. So I have everything. I get tested whether I have a new partner or not, and I typically do not. Um, <laughs> but I still get tested because they can show up six months, years down the line, whatever. Yeah. And I had um, my recently, a few months ago, no, I guess before COVID, um, so a year ago now, but, um, my doctor, I asked for a new standing order and I asked to have the throat swab included in it as well. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, just like, out of curiosity, are you um, a sex worker? And I was like, what does that have to do with this? And he's like, oh, I didn't mean to offend you. And I was like, you're not offending me because I don't think being a sex worker is something to be offended by. And I kind of gave him a little lecture. And he was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did he ever explain why you brought that up? He was like, because if you are, there's other things we could test for. There's other tests we could do or something like that, he said. But I think it was more so just his, like, you know, curiosity. Yeah, he was like, no bitches ask for throat swabs. No, <laughs> no civilians are asking for this. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And moving on to positive aspects of sex work, what are both of you doing to normalize it? Uh, I do a lot. Like, I have my podcast, 50 Plus a Tip, and we talk about sex work and sexuality on there, and it helps to destigmatize and give voices to people in the industry. Um, I also guest lecture at local universities on sex work in Canada and sex work legality. And I also teach lap dance workshops, um, so your average woman can brush shoulders with a sex worker and explore her, you know, um, sensuality in dance. And then I also have a sex worker book club. And then I also work, I'm in a, a normal book club, too, but I often push sex worker books, so Square is a good chance to read about sex worker's experiences in that. That's actually really I awesome. Yeah, thank you. I work on a much smaller scale than uh, Danica. Um, I often come banter with her on her uh, podcast. Um, but I, I think where I've started is just be willing to, um, being willing to have an open and honest conversation about sex work with people and taking the time to educate them or if they say something that's like not okay, to ask them where this has come from and to try and change the minds of the people around me. I think that's where it all begins, honestly, is just open, honest communication about sex, whether it's somebody that you're having relations with or, in that case as well, somebody that you're trying to educate about about the um, background of sex work. So I think that's a good start to, to anything, really, open, honest communication. Um, were both of you always sex positive? I mean, yeah, as I mentioned, I, I very much grew up in a in a household that thought no sex before marriage and um I I think maybe not I think maybe I was probably a little bit close-minded about it just for lack of education or lack of positive chat around sex when I was younger but once I started kind of uh having my sexual debut and uh going through and uh, like feeling out my own sexuality I became very uh sex positive very quickly and jumping into something related to that, what do you love about being a sex worker's advocate? Um, wow, I feel like there's so many ups and downs to this. 
I just think it's so important to, if you're in a place of privilege where you can speak about it and speak about it from a privileged place, I just think that it's important to be able to do that. You know, not, not everyone is in a position where they can be open and honest about being a sex worker. Um, so those that can, I think it's important to um, push for our rights and push for decriminalization. I definitely agree with that. Um, getting to a little bit of a fun part for me, at least, because I like stripping. I actually had questions about that. Um, what gave you a thrill to stripping? What gave us a thrill? Yes. Mm-hmm. Gave us a thrill about Um, Well, I mean, I grew up dancing competitively, so being on stage has always been something I enjoy. Um, Plus, I think I'm relatively good at it, so it's nice to, you know, get an audience going. And I'm also quite flexible, so grossing people out with things like that (laughs) is always fun. Um, It's also, I think, the idea of being able to profit off the male gaze, which we're all, like, presenting women are kind of subject to. Um, from like your prepubescent age, you know, like 10 year old girls are getting like boots and haulers and stuff. So it's kind of nice to now be at, be at that point in my life where I'm like, Hey, fuck you. You want to gawk at me? You want to make comments? And I'm going to profit off this. Um, I'm going to market this. So I think that's something. And it's also kind of becomes a game of like, how many yeses can you get a night? How many goals can you reach? Um, how well can you hustle? Um, and then just also like the connection. It, it's nice when you walk away from a night time, like you met a really good client you had a genuine connection with or you made a new friend at work and or you would just watch your girlfriends like prosper in the industry yeah there's something very exciting about being able to sell nothing but your time like there's no product there's no thing that they get to walk away with except for the experience uh, and the privilege of of spending time with you that's a very awesome way to put it because I feel like some females, I like some of my female friends have talked about like if I had the courage to do that. I actually had one that like tried to audition to uh one of to become a stripper at one of our local clubs here in Tucson where I live, and uh, she was like, yeah, it was a lot more, <laughs> a lot more than she thought it would be. I guess she she kind of got nervous about the whole the whole thing. How did you get over being nervous the first time going on stage? Um, well, I was serving in a strip club before I started dancing, and the outfits we were wearing were very, very small skirts where your butt was out. Um, and I was really good friends with the dancers. The servers were kind of bitchy. Um, so I already was constantly in the changing with them and, like, you know, all my friends were strippers already, and I had one good girlfriend who's retired now, but um, she, like, came over to my house before my shift and was like, here are the best points. Like, this is the power hour. This is the best way to do a dance. This is, like, blah, blah, blah. She kind of gave me a quick crash course, um, which is not what most girls get. And then also having experience competitively dancing, you're pretty confident um, moving your body and, and being in your skin, so... I didn't think that gave me an edge when I first started that I wasn't I wasn't really nervous I was already in a club that I worked at for a while and I have experience dancing on stage okay um touching a little bit back on the negative part was there ever any moment that either of you felt that this industry wasn't for you uh, um Honestly, there are some goofy people in the industry. Uh, recently, we've had um, some interactions with 
some really just uh, messed up people. But I think those people are everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes when I, 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 I see people that aren't, aren't like, how do I explain it? don't have the best intentions or women that don't stand up for each other. Like it kind of, it does like hurt my heart a bit and it makes me like want to like take some time off and just like, you know, regroup. And I think that's why I make a point, um, for part of the week I go stay at my family home. It's out of town. And I just like visit with them and, and ground myself because I think giving yourself so much to other people, it can be draining. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, that's when I question it when I feel like I've been giving too much of myself or, when I'm, I'm starting to be worn down. Yeah, I uh, I find that this job really drains resources that you would otherwise have reserved for yourself and people who love you back. Um, and so that can, you know, lead to a lot of burnout. And it's in those moments that, you know, you look back and you see the three awful clients that you had to deal with or the fact that you were ripped off or, you know, someone didn't have your back in something, and you look back at those moments, you're like, oh, man, I just, I want some security, and I want to, like, have a break from having to deplete all of these resources. That's actually beautiful. I think that a lot of people don't take the time to realize the the downside to it, and so that's, that's really deep. What about touching on passion, however? What keeps you passionate about what you do? Well, part of me, one of the reasons why I stay in it is because of all the shit I've gone through well in it from the outside world. That part of me is like, I need to walk away with this knowing that I made the most I can make. I did the most with it. I traveled with it or whatever mm-hmm. to have made the hardship worth it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and and, the, and it's not that sex work is hard necessarily. And like, like Riley said, there are definitely, it's definitely draining. It asks a lot of you. It's not an easy job. But the most hardships I encounter are from the outside world, for sure. Um, the stigmas and the bullshit from other people hating on you, it gets it can get to you no matter how thick your skin is. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I'm passionate. And then also because I am such um, an out-there po- person, an outspoken person, um, and Riley can attest to this, I get a lot of arrows shot at me um, because when you're at the front of the line – people attack you first and sometimes when I'm at a gig and I sign up for a girl or I sent a girl for a booker or whatever it is um it makes me and I, and I see her kind of like appreciate it or be protected by me standing up for her um that kind of gives me passion to keep doing it like protecting other women and that's one of the reasons why I'm so adamant about talking about sex workers rights and stuff because although it might not change a lot in my lifetime knowing that for the future generations it'll be a little bit better um, yeah, personally for me, that's why. For the most part, the sisterhood is very strong in sex work. Because if the, if everyone else is against you, then you have no one but each other. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely echo what Danica said. I think what keeps me passionate is wanting to be in a different spot after sex work than when I started, and using it as a as a platform for growth and you know both. Uh, educationally and mentally and financially. I feel like what both of you are doing is slowly making impact, you know, on other people's lives when it comes to educating them about sex work and sexual health and embracing sexuality. I think that's awesome that both of you 
have your passions aligned that way within the industry. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope that by the time we leave, we've made at least a small dent. Exactly. I hope so. When it comes to words of advice, what words of advice do you live by? So for me, I have two um, quotes I live by. One is, I'd rather life of oh wells than what ifs. Um, so the idea of like, I'd rather try something and not work out and say, oh, well, then sit there and go, like, what if I had done that? What if I had said that? What if I had tried? Um, and then my other one is be unapologetically you. And I think, especially as women um, in society, we're constantly trying or being told to fit into a box. And I'm never someone who really has. So um, that's something I've really come into my own as I've gone older is just being unapologetically me um, and whatever that looks like. I think uh, also surrounding people that make you be stronger and burn brighter, uh, just people who support you and, and push you to, to do better and be better um, is definitely much needed in this in this industry. I totally agree. I feel like that's just like a universal role in general. You always want people that are going to build you up. And I think that's awesome that you guys have that support with each other and the sex world community, honestly speaking. Yeah, I mean, and it's, you know, it's not always like that. There's definitely uh, girls in the industry that are out for themselves, and, and I, I get it, you know, like when the world's against you, it's definitely, you definitely feel like it's you against the world, but I think it's really important to seek out those people that you can rely on, that you can lean on. I want to lighten the mood a little bit, <laughs> just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> I have an icebreaker, I have a couple icebreaker questions. When you, if someone were to see you and say, hey, do that thing you do, what would it be? I'm a Terry girl. Um, for me, um, because I am flexible, one of the things like the crowd always goes wild is because I like I put my feet behind my head. Um, that's like people are like, oh, she's so flexible. So like that's just an easy one that I just throw out there for shows. I can just imagine you like getting down on the street and like I know. <laughs> like, I was just yeah, thinking. Like, just some random passerby, like, hey, do that thing you do, okay? That's awesome. Honestly, panicked. Like, I'm panicking thinking about it. Yeah. She's a balling jockey. Yeah. I'm just a bit awkward, and I just feel like it would result in You'd be like an awkward jig or something. Yeah. You'd be like an awkward jig, and then someone be like, oh. I really need to prove myself for these sorts of things. This is part of the oh. interview where, like, I usually do audio just because it records better, but I wish there was a video so I could see. <laughs> do that oh, thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I see her and you, you're good. <laughs> like, uh, have you ever seen that, the movie, tele, was it Telegate and I? And he doesn't know what to do with I don't know what to do with my hands. I don't know what to do with my hands. He keeps, like, like lifting it up. You? Yeah. <laughs> That's literally me. <laughs> I, have an, I have another question. It's also a little icebreaker. Do you have a song you feel defines your life? Ooh. For absolutely no reason, Sultans of Swing. Okay. I just tend to always hear it in the most random places. That song follows me around. But it, it I mean, I wouldn't say it defines my life, but it, it definitely follows me around. 
Um, my two are not because may not necessarily define my life, but but were like big songs in my life. Um, were Fields of Gold because it was like my grandma's favorite song, and she like did a big part of raising me. And also, um, You Were Always on My Mind by Elvis Presley. Those are like the two my two go tos, especially when I want to like be in my fields. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very awesome. Very, very awesome. One more question that's kind of a just for fun question. When you're not working, what types of things do you like to do? Nothing. <laughs> Recoup. <Yeah. laughs> uh, no, I, um, well, we work, we work on the podcast quite a bit. That takes up quite a bit of time. And then and I really do like to read and go hiking. Vancouver is beautiful out here for hikes, so. I mean, yeah, and I mean, I'm in school, and uh, me and my partner have a van, so we do a lot of camping and stuff. That sounds very fun. I've only seen pictures of Vancouver. As far north as I've been is just Seattle, but I'd like to actually go and visit one day. It looks beautiful from the pictures, so I'm sure camping and being out there is just words do it no justice. Yeah, it's a nice... Nice break from the city. Nice break from the phones. Definitely. And just getting into how people can reach you, where can they reach you? Uh, so you can find me on Instagram at five zero plus a tip, or in or email me at five zero plus a tip at gmail dot com, and that's the podcast. And the podcast is on it's fifty plus a tip, and it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Google Podcasts, pretty much like anywhere you do listen to your podcast, you should be able to find us on there. And if you can't, uh, I won't be working on it. <laughs> but uh, you can pretty much find me there as well. Uh, I hang out hang out here all too often. <laughs> too, too often. <laughs> Any final thoughts? No, just, uh, no, yes. Uh, <laughs> no, thank. Uh, one, yeah, sex work is work. Obviously, we all say that because it's fucking true, and we should have labor rights, and there should be a lot more respect. And also, when the clubs do open up, or if they are open in your area, tip your dancers. If you don't want to tip the dancers, then just go to a regular bar and let that CV for someone who is contributing to the to the workers' wallets. Um, club. Ups and woes don't pay our bills. 100%. Yeah, cheering doesn't pay our bills, so. Yeah. You wouldn't ever go to a, a restaurant and just clap as a server, <laughs> bought food to other tables. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that makes a lot of sense when you put it in that perspective. I feel like a lot of people go there just, just to view. I, I'm not going to lie. When I go in a strip club, I'm a pretty big tipper. You know, I, I feel like it takes yeah, confidence to be it. up there. It, it takes a lot of confidence, so I admire both of you for having confidence to even be in the sex work industry thank you thank you hey everyone thank you for tuning into the hush podcast make sure to find us on podbean red dragons radio google play music itunes spotify iheart radio spreaker stitcher TuneIn, soundcloud the hushpodcast.com our facebook our instagram and our twitter page 